You're listening to the Selling Energy Podcast, turbocharging the success of sales professionals around the world. Here's your host, Wall Street Journal bestselling author and award-winning sales trainer, Mark Jewell. Connecting the dots drive sales. One of the most important attributes of a true sales professional is the ability to tell a prospect's story rather than his own. He then connects the dots in new and creative ways so the prospect realizes the link between what is being sold and what the prospect is seeking, to move beyond features and even beyond benefits into values that the prospect really cares about. Think about it. Your prospects are consumed with their industries, not yours. They don't need to understand your technology or even your industry to buy from you. They need to feel comfortable that you understand their situation, what drives value in their world, and that your recommendations will get them closer to where they already know they want to go. Often say that your sales success will be directly correlated with your ability to connect the dots between the benefits your offering can deliver and the yardsticks your prospects are already using to measure their success. Your prospects are not waking up in the morning thinking, wow, I hope I can save some kilowatt hours or therms today. Or, boy, if I only had another couple hundred control points in my energy management system, my life would be complete. (laughs) What are they thinking about when they get dressed for work in the morning? Keeping their staffs happy and productive. Keeping tenant hot cold calls to a minimum. Coming up with an edge that will allow them to fill those last 50,000 square feet of vacancy. Finding a way to boost their retail sales per square foot to keep the Wall Street analysts happy. You get the idea. They're probably not thinking about static pressure, delta T, chromaticity, color rendering index, or any of the other technical jargon that salespeople often lapse into. And remember, you need to connect the dots at many levels. Segment-specific, organizational, professional, and personal. Finding great leads for your product or service. Embrace and cultivate all of the empowering qualities of a sales professional. Commit to being proactive rather than reactive. Learn to leverage those who sell to your typical prospects before and after you do. Let's think of some examples. Property managers who need to field and address all those hot cold calls from disgruntled occupants. Building engineering firms that have to operate the aging equipment you should be replacing. Mechanical contractors who have to service equipment long past its estimated lifetime. Other suppliers who provide parts for aging equipment. Air balancing firms, duct cleaning firms, etc. Real estate brokers with knowledge of thermal comfort, noise, and other shortcomings in the buildings they know well. Think carefully about your ideal prospects and build a profile to begin pursuing today. Take the time to build the tools you'll need to open doors and keep them open. And finally, get organized and automated so that you can keep up with the surge of sales activity you're about to experience. Prevailing at a premium. I'd like to share a story that I remember reading a few years ago in a trade magazine about a rock star roofing contractor and his particular approach for convincing a price-sensitive prospect to buy a higher first-cost, premium-quality installation. As I recall, the interviewer asked the contractor, what do you say to a prospect when he tells you that he's received a lower bid from another roofer? His response was something along the lines of, I tell my customer, when you're in the roofing business, Johns Mansville and all the other manufacturers sell raw materials to everybody in the industry at basically the same price. So if someone's quoting you a higher price for an installation, it's likely they're planning to apply more supervisory hours, use more highly skilled labor, carry more than sufficient levels of liability insurance, etc. And if you have a roofer that says he's willing to do the job for 
say, $3,000 versus my bid of $3,800, you have to ask yourself a question. What do you think the $800 is paying for that you're not going to get with the $3,000 roofing job? Oh, and while we're on the topic, if your bargain roofer has trimmed his price at the expense of having workers' comp insurance and one of his uninsured workers slips and falls off your roof, that worker would likely sue you. You could lose your home. He concluded, by the time I get done explaining even a few of the many ways cheaper contractors cut corners to deliver their lower prices, the prospect is so nervous, they realize that even if they could save $800 on the job, they'd likely stay awake at night for the next 10 years, wondering what shortcuts that cheaper roofer took. And you know what? His closing ratio was exceptionally higher than normal, despite the fact, or perhaps because of the fact, that his prices were routinely higher than his competition's. It's all about how you frame your price and convey the genuine value of your service, even if it's just superior peace of mind knowing that the job will be done well. You've heard me say it before. Customers don't make decisions, they make comparisons. It's up to you to frame the comparison so that selecting you as the winning bidder is the only decision they could make and not regret later. There's a second moral to the story, by the way. I encourage you to look for success stories and tips from sales rock stars in other industries, particularly those adjacent to the efficiency industry, to find new ideas to grow your own revenues. Why do they say yes? Why might your prospect be willing to say yes to taking on a proposed energy efficiency project? Is it about saving energy? Saving money? Saving carbon? Something else? No doubt there are dozens of reasons a prospect may be motivated to say yes to pursuing an energy-saving project. I encountered one of the more surprising ones the other day when a workshop participant told me that her municipal client agreed to do a project because if they didn't find something for one of the managers to work on, they'd have to lay them off. It wasn't about saving energy itself, the economic value, or the carbon content. It was all about saving their valued team member from the ravages of unemployment. Seth Godin is a world-renowned author of more than a dozen books on marketing, consumer behavior, and similar topics. He once wrote a blog called A Hierarchy of Business-to-Business Needs that gives excellent insight into what motivates a yes. Seth wrote that if you're selling a product or service to a non-business owner in a business-to-business setting, the primary needs rank as follows. Avoiding risk, avoiding hassle, gaining praise, gaining power, having fun, and making a profit. So how does the typical energy efficiency proposal fare when juxtaposed to that hierarchy? Well, let's think about it. How much risk does a manager take on by saying yes to a 50-plus page proposal written in another industry's technical jargon? How much hassle is involved in understanding all the competing technologies and approaches, interviewing and then selecting suppliers, negotiating contracts, applying for and securing the necessary capital, filling out incentive applications, cooperating with pre- and post-installation walkthroughs, measuring actual savings against projections, etc.? all for the purpose of replacing equipment that is not technically broken. And, skipping down to the bottom of Seth's hierarchy, how might the resulting energy efficiency map into the last item, making a profit? How similar is saving energy to making a profit? And how much is the estimated savings? Would it even move the needle when compared to the rest of the organization's overhead? And who would actually receive the savings? And would that be the same person who had to endure all the above-referenced risk and hassle? I recently read that more than 70% of American workers were disengaged. Another recently published study warned that on any given day, half the workforce was looking for another job, either casually or formally. Can you imagine their perspective on taking on additional risk or hassle when, even if the project were successful, 
their reward would be their employer making more profit. I mentioned all of this in a recent Efficiency Sales Professional Boot Camp, and someone wryly pointed out that the middle-ranked motivators, gaining praise, gaining power, still applied, even if you were seeking other employment. Why? A successful energy project is a great resume builder. Reducing your present employer's energy bills or capturing an Energy Star label for the facility you now manage could be a feather in your cap while interviewing for a new role. One thing's for sure. Whether your prospect is looking for another job or not, someone who has the insight to connect the dots between enhanced energy efficiency and more traditional metrics of performance, think better productivity in office environments, lower scrap rate in industrial environments, better learning outcomes in schools, etc., stands to receive praise or even more power and influence within their organization by aggressively pursuing an efficiency agenda. So, what are the morals to this story? I see at least three. First, never assume the reason that your prospect is interested in your offerings is as simple as saving energy or even money. Second, realize that decision makers are human beings first and job titles second. And finally, leverage the above reference Seth Godin hierarchy as you formulate compelling value propositions for your prospects. How? Well, how about these for starters? Reduce the risk. Bring industry foreknowledge to the table genuine insight into how your solution has provided value for others in your prospect situation and how your offerings compare to the competitions. Doing so will reduce the perceived risk of whatever you're proposing and help the prospect feel more comfortable proceeding without undertaking extensive due diligence. Next, minimize the hassle. Make it easy to do business with you to reduce the perceived hassle factor. Act as a broker of strengths and coordinate your efforts with other vendors if necessary. Offer promise of praise, offer to write a success story, or perhaps even help the prospect apply for the Energy Star label after the proposed project is successfully implemented. Draw a path to increased power, help the prospect to see how moving forward positions him or her more favorably in the organization. The above reference success story might also help the prospect justify a raise or a promotion. Have fun. Wow, this point has so many dimensions it deserves its own installment of our blog. Here's just one to think about in the meantime. Make the effort to discover what the prospect finds truly fun and fascinating about his or her job, and then make sure your selling approach resonates with those preferences. Let's say your prospect enjoys escaping the office for the occasional field trip. You might suggest a lunch at their favorite eatery, bookended by two tours of buildings already benefiting from your offering. Above all, be eternally positive and personable. Have a great sense of humor and use it often. By the way, if you don't have a great sense of humor, get one. Your prospects want to be around people and make them feel great. Finally, demonstrate the true value. Take the time to connect the dots between efficiency and segment-specific outcomes that are more valuable than the cost of kilowatts, kilowatt hours, or therms saved. Remember, there are three distinct categories of benefits to highlight when selling efficiency solutions. Utility cost financial benefits, which would be utility bill savings plus any rebates or other financial incentives. Non-utility cost financial benefits, which would be the value of increased productivity when your solution delivers improved document comfort and convenience and additional energy savings, for example, and non-financial benefits, for example, earning an Energy Star label or lead certification. Keep in mind that in some cases, the third category blurs into the second one, for example, when an Energy Star label building commands higher rent per square foot, higher occupancy, or a higher sales price per square foot when compared to its non-labeled peers. There's certainly a lot to be learned about advancing efficiency from one of the world's most respected marketing geniuses.